fell in love with the consumer internet. I thought it was so fascinating and really was looking to build an internet company. And then my buddy started making better fitting men's pants. And I thought, wait a second, maybe these pants are the internet company that I've been looking for. Meet Andy Dunn. Like many entrepreneurs, he knows that sometimes you just can't predict where you're going to end up. Had a job offer. I had $150,000 of debt. The smart thing to do was to take the job, but I thought that these pants that my buddy had made were great, and I thought the chance to create something was exciting, and we just followed that energy. Andy took a chance on that internet pants company. Today, it's known as Bonobos, a hugely successful online clothing retailer. There have been lots of moments in my life where I feel like there was a chance to do something and I didn't take it, and it's actually the the disappointment that I feel in those moments informs the risk-taking down the road. I'm Charles Krausen, and this is Outside the Box, the podcast from Walmart. This season, we're trying to figure out how we value our time, like how much your time is really worth. Last year, Walmart bought Bonobos because online shopping is the great time saver. Bonobos has cracked the code to saving you time and making you feel like a valued customer. They do this through their stores, their site, and their customer service people, Bonobos calls them ninjas. Who would not want to be called a ninja? It's fun and reflects some of the reasons why Andy started the company in the first place. He started by putting himself in his customers' shoes. We built a brand that was really selfish in nature, right? Which is how do we actually make this fun for us? And at the beginning, part of that was pants don't fit. So we made a better fitting pair of pants, right? You get going with that. But I think the insight that you layer on top of that that turned out to be what changed the industry is the idea that it's not enough to make a great physical product. You got to bundle it with a service experience that makes it really, really frictionless to go out and get that product. The concept for me was how do you actually architect it for a guy who you know, you know doesn't love to buy clothes? Right. How did you improve on the male pant? What did you look to improve? Well, this is where my co-founder is a genius, Brian Spaley. What he observed was if pants actually fit you right in the thigh, they tend to be too boxy in the waist. And if they fit you right in the waist, they're going to be way too tight in the thigh. And so as a result, what he was doing is he was buying a size 34 waist pant so that it would fit him in his thighs. And then he was taking it to a tailor and getting it hemmed in to a size 32, which was his actual waist size. And, you know, he called it hockey butt. He said he grew up playing, you know, hockey and soccer, and as a result, couldn't fit in his pants. It's baseball butt. Then. It's baseball butt inside. It all depends on what you grew up playing, right? I carry one well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was really this idea that rather than going and getting pants altered every time, someone's got to come up with a pattern that solves that problem. And so he went to a pattern maker in San Francisco, he took these pants that he had been getting altered and we actually made a pattern from that pant. And so the core innovation is they come with a waistband that's a little bit curved so that the pant comes around the seat, makes room for the thighs and you get this, it's almost a, it's a mathematical relationship between your waist size and your quads and bonobos unlock that. And then we had this realization, we can include all men because over time with an online driven model, you can offer all of the fit silhouette waist inseam combinations that you can dream up. That was how I got started. Conceptually, I understood Bonobos. Mm -hmm. I got it. 
mm-hmm. but I didn't appreciate it until I visited your Los Angeles store. Mm-hmm. And I was actually able to see it in action. Yeah. Is that something the customer should do to, to really see it and understand the way it works? Because once I was there, I, I could have broke the bank. Yeah. Well, the guide shops are funny. I think about the inventions in the company's history. The first invention is really a better fitting men's pant, that mm-hmm. curved waistband pant. That's invention one. Invention two happened around the same time, which is let's actually endeavor to build the brand on the internet. Because most people would have said, wait, you're building a brand that's about fit and you can't even try it on. Well, actually, we're going to do amazing free shipping both ways, 365-day returns. We're going to develop this team, the customer service ninjas. We're actually going to build a better way of buying product by not having it physically distributed. And then you've got invention three, which is, wait a second. If that model is going to work, you can't stock a store because you're, you're offering so much more fit. You could, never, you could never do that. Well, it turns out that a store has got at least two purposes. One is to interact with the product. Two is to fulfill that product order. And what Bonobos did with our third invention, with, which is the guide shop, is we pulled that apart. And we said, you can interact, touch, feel, try on, have a great one-to-one service experience, but you don't need to get the goods right then and there. Going to the guide shop is actually the highest form of the Bonobos experience because you're getting not only the more specific fit options, but you're getting to experience them in person and touch and feel the product so that you can fulfill future orders on the web. But that that guide shop experience for me is how I personally love love to do it. Where is home for you? I know you grew up in Chicago. Home Chicago. So the whole family lives in Lincoln Park on the near north side. We grew up in the western suburbs. Mom's an immigrant from India, uh, born in a refugee town on the way from Rawalpindi, Pakistan to New Delhi, India at the time of the partition. Came here when she was 20. My dad's Irish-Swedish-American um, U.S. history teacher met on the west side of Chicago. So born and raised there and then have spent the last, what, 11 years now living in New York. Did you ever in your life think you would be in Bentonville, Arkansas or the state of Arkansas, kid from Chicago, Northwestern, Stanford, New York, wherever you've gone, the success you've had, Northwest Arkansas? No chance. It was such a, there, there's two moments that stand out. The first moment is, hopping the path train in New York over to New Jersey and sitting down with Mark Laurie, who's now our, our CEO of, of all of e-commerce and Walmart, talking to him about how the future of e-commerce is not going to be just about great platforms. It's going to be about great brands. So that was fun because that was a business conversation. But what I found in terms of building a company is it's not about business. It's, it's far more spiritual. It's about what's the purpose What's the why behind doing it? And when I sat down, Marcos, you got to meet Doug, Doug McMillan, our CEO. And so we had a dinner together. It was the snowiest day I can remember in New York. And I sat with Doug and I sat with Mark and we had this dinner. I thought, wow, you know, Bonobos is not only going to have a, an exciting future. We're going to be, we're going to have the backing of the fortune one company, the world's biggest company. And we're going to be able to take this innovation that has been in the corner little corner of menswear, and we're going to be able to now export that and our know-how to every vertical in the consumer retail ecosystem. And my brain was just whirring, you know, like this is a totally unexpectedly amazing way for this story to unfold. Now, how do I go and explain to, you know, 
200 millennials who live in Brooklyn that Walmart is going to be their new employer and help them understand why that's an exciting thing. How did you explain that to them? I have profound respect for the journeys that people need to go on themselves and no one wants to be told how to feel or what to think. There's nothing more invalidating than saying, here's some news, here's how you should feel about it. I personally didn't have conviction that this was the right ultimate long-term place for Bonobos to live until I came to Bentonville. I went and sat at a bar and there was a, a Vietnamese immigrant from Northeast Arkansas who had just moved to Northwest Arkansas. And we sat and you know I ordered a pizza and had a beer with him and not an experience anyone told me I'd be having. Um, Folks had said this was a dry town, that it wasn't you know, friendly to folks from different, from different walks of life. Of course, there's lots of, there's lots of challenges to Bentonville just as there are at any place. And it's a place on the move. We now have this weird thing where there's a whole ecosystem of Walmart that includes not just what's happening in Bentonville, but of course, Hoboken, San Bruno and New York City now. We've got to figure out how do we actually make this enterprise work in a world where we've got talent from all different kinds of places. And how do we get that folks to work together? And how do we get better from a diverse inclusion standpoint? These are fascinating challenges that I never dreamed would be on our, you know, on our plate or that we would even be a small participant in. But it's a very large portion of your plate now as you've taken on more responsibility beyond Bonobos as you're here with the company as well. You have other challenges. It's awesome. One part of this job that I thought that was going to be important, which is about digital transformation, but there are two things that I get to do now that are a privilege to do within Walmart, and those are sustainability and diversity and inclusion. So we're now working on a, on a project in the sustainability space. I can't say much about it. And then diversity and inclusion couldn't be more topical for me. You know, We put out a catalog in February of this year at Bonobos that had almost no people of color in it. I have no idea how it happened, It was just this idiosyncratic thing where clearly we don't have the right lens on because it came out and there was a guy who tweeted at me and said, if Bonobo is not going to have any people of color in its visual imagery, then this is not the brand for me. And I thanked him for it. I said, wow, I I hadn't seen this. We've got some work to do to figure out how this happened because we pride ourselves on moving in the right direction on those things. These are really, really huge parts of my job. I didn't even know it would be a part of my job before we did this and where the opportunity for impact, you know, has gone up by a factor of, you know, a thousand being a part of this broader enterprise. Season two of our podcast, we are examining time mm-hmm. and how we all value our time and how we as consumers utilize our time. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me one of the things Bonobos really tapped into, again, not fully realized as a consumer until I saw it. Mm-hmm was that ability to save the consumer, the mail shopper, Mm -hmm. time through online shopping, catalog shopping, and then brick-and-mortar shopping. Yep. How has e-commerce changed the construct of time for the customer base today? You've been on the front lines. Yeah. I'm a nerd, and I was in high school. I was on the math team. And so only someone on the math team who later ended up running a fashion brand, I don't know how that even works or why that's even possible, at one point, I had an equation about how men think about shopping for clothes. And it was fit in like all caps, big, plus style, slightly smaller, meaning fit's more important than style, minus trend, which is to say if it's something you've, get, you've got to follow trends, at that point, it's like a turnoff. Like that, that decreases utility for your experience. 
minus hassle, which is any hassle is going to be a huge problem. And then can you actually make it fun? Everything about our experience is built around the concept that we're going to make this more personalized, hopefully free of hassles, as expeditious as possible, given where you are, where you want to shop. And hopefully at certain unexpected moments, it's it's fun or it's or it's special. We do these challenges to the ninjas where they have to go above and beyond as frequently as they can to delight people, call it customer delight. One of our customers is home burned down in a fire and he lost his clothing. He also lost his dog. And one of our ninjas found out about this. What do you even do with that? And they commissioned a painting of the dog for this customer and sent him the painting. In addition, of course, to a new wardrobe. That, those are the kinds of stories that to me say, we're, we're operating at a different level ideally on our best days. And so much of that has to do with how we treat people and how we show up in their lives in positive ways. Not always that special, but in positive ways. And I think that's what, that's what keeps guys coming back. Are we going too fast in our day-to-day lives to appreciate those opportunities as they present themselves or even see them? I think so. I think so. I got a email is a funny one for me. I did something last two Sundays. I haven't admitted this in any kind of a semi-public forum before, but the last two Sundays, this will be my first admission. I just archived my whole email inbox. And I said to myself, I'm going to be miserable the whole week playing catch up. So I'm just going to archive the whole thing and then go into the week with an empty inbox so I can be present in conversations and meetings so I can initiate new ideas. There's going to be about 10 or 20 people that are going to be like, wait a second, I didn't hear back. But they'll come back, right? Or maybe they'll come see me in person in, in real life. I think it's this always on thing is problematic. And it's, it's definitely not how great things start. What do you do with your time? You're clearly busy. You're traveling. You're always involved. You're always involved with, with uh, Hoboken. You're also involved with Bonobos. You're involved with Modcloth. You're now newly married and on and on and on. How do, you best, how do you best manage your time? My wife has helped me remember that there is something in this world called just the joy of learning something new. And I've been so focused for so long on bonobos that I forgot about hobbies. I forgot about the power of being creative or even focused outside of work. So it starts on this... Saturday, probably two years ago, she's like, do you want to play tennis today? And I was like, I haven't played tennis since 1996. She's like, do you want to play tennis? I'm like, yeah, let's go. So I I start playing tennis again. And then a friend of mine has built the world's largest online chess site. I made a profile on chess.com. I play probably seven or eight games of chess a week. Recently, basketball league, Thursday nights. It's this realization, you know what? There's more to life than work. There's really fun things to do as a human being that don't entail working. And I lost sight of that over the last decade. I lost sight of that. And in fact, I've recently told people somewhat um, sheepishly, like, I I don't work on the weekends anymore. And I'm embarrassed to say, like, you're not supposed to say that, I guess. Because for 10 years, I worked, you know, 24-7. I can remember the first day that I took like a day away from my job was three years in. 
was the first like day where I was like, I'm not going to do anything for the day. <laughs> Just like a, a Sunday in 2010. Three How years. hard was that? It was hard. And I felt guilty. And so I, there's something weird that I'm now learning. Hey, you know what? Friday night, come home. We light the candles for Shabbat and go dark at that point. And that it's okay to, you know, archive all your emails on Sunday morning, Sunday night so that you can have a fresh start and Monday the work week begins. What is a normal day like for you? I used to have answers to that that were um, made up because there was nothing normal. So I, I did my best. These days, I'm kind of into the concept of some rhythm or routine to, to things. Um, so perhaps I'll give you today. Walked down the street FaceTiming with my mom and dad, which was cool. Um, got here and, and I try to do as many conversations as I can by like one or two o'clock, right? So if I can pack in and get all those meetings done, what that leaves in the afternoon is unstructured time to be able to think. I'm trying to build alone time back into the routine, um, Today, it took the form of just having, having a meal alone. Um, sometimes that'll take me into a game of chess, get my mind off things and come back. And then for when, when it is time to be on, um, being in conversations in teams where I'm not the one talking, one of my jobs is to shut up and to see what are all the ideas that come and just kind of take it in and not have to say, all right, let's go this direction or that direction, but just soak it in and let all the good ideas rise up. And wait a second, why is that person being quiet today? What if I invite them? Hey, Laura, what, what's your opinion? And you start to think of yourself a little bit more as a conductor of an orchestra than someone who's playing you know, a piano concerto and you're the lead. And those kinds of things um, are inspiring me right now, making those slight evolutions in style um, in terms of how to show up. So it's all a work in process. What's one thing right now that comes to mind you especially enjoy doing? You enjoy devoting your time to your wife is not an option. <laughs> I, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is I enjoy reading again. You know, it's hard to read in this world. I was on a plane with a colleague on the way down here, uh, flying Newark to, to Bentonville, and I had a book. And I had the same reaction of, am I setting a bad example by reading rather than working while she's working on this flight? <laughs> I was like, what am I even thinking? You know, what better example can one set than by being curious and whether it's work-related or not? If I could read a book a week, you know, I, that would be a dream. My, my wife probably reads three books a month and she's a far more interesting curious, engaged person as a result. If I could get to a book a week, wow, that would be, that would be a dream. Okay, now, most important question of the interview. What does your closet look like? <laughs> well, I live in New York, and so it's not... It's, it's not that big. It's actually kind of funny. It, I've decided I can get down to having like 40 items in my entire wardrobe, so I have like seven or eight of the same thing, like seven or eight white button-down shirts, seven or eight pairs of jeans, lots of different variants of, probably the most interesting thing is I have like seven different tuxedo blazers. <laughs> one of which you're wearing right one now. One of which I'm wearing, because like a regular blazer is kind of boring. You might as well wear okay, a tux jacket. Like it. It's like a dinner like party it. every day. What'd you aspire to be when you were a kid? You know, it's funny. 
so much of, I think, what you dream of is based on what you see around you. And in my family, it was all doctors everywhere I could see. And I got to college and I spent some time you know, going on that path. You're not really studying medicine, but you're doing all the sciences. And I remember I, I kind of got through all the coursework and I was looking around this organic chemistry class and people really cared. And I thought, this is so, this is so boring for me. I, I, I don't really care about this. I care about it in theory because it's a step to something else that I might care about. And I realized you're lost if you're in a, any step in your life where you're not as passionate as the people around you. So I had to figure out what that was. The last uh, year and a half has been busy. October of 2016, the Cubs won the World Series. Right. I became, I converted to Judaism in February of the following year, got married in May of last year, and then Walmart acquired Bonobos in July. So I told my wife, I was like, I know we just got started, but I think I can die now. There's, oh. there's nothing left to do. Well, I for one think that Andy Dunn still has plenty to do, and I'm excited to see what's next for him and how it's going to benefit all of us. Next time on the show, have you ever thought to yourself, I don't have time for fun? Now we're talking to someone who's hoping to change your mind. If you wanted to, let's say, go camping this weekend, we would deliver you the chairs, the cooler, the tent, the lights, everything you need to have a great camping experience and then pick it all up when you're done. That's Joe Fernandez, founder of the company Joy Mode. Next time on Outside the Box. Also, if you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps others find the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.